you go to uh, Manhattan's restaurant in, in Carroll Stream there on Schmaley Road, there's a, the most delightful young waitress there, and no matter what you order, her response is, perfect. <laughs> you want the senior citizen's fried chicken? Oh, that's perfect. So then I want to take a look at perfection. You know, in 1976, at, at, uh, at the Summer Olympics, there was a young girl named Nadia Komenich. And we remember her because she had a special song, and she was the first gymnast ever in the world to achieve a perfect 10. A perfect 10. We, we are called to strive for, protection, for perfection. We were told to go forward and, and do the very best we can, and, and sometimes we will reach perfection. Jesus even tells us, and, and it's almost as enigmatic as the gospel today, is be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we're called to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative. So if you, if you, if you, if you pitch a game, Every once in a while, you want to pitch a perfect game. And if you drink a martini, make it a perfect martini. Here's the problem. Perfection doesn't exist. And if you think you're about to hear a perfect homily, think again. It's at best a, a mathematical concept. It, it doesn't exist in the real world, and we are living in the real world. And so the question for us today is, what do we do with the imperfect? What do we do with the, with the fly in the ointment? What do we do with the hole in our canoe? What do we do when our depends leak? Well, that depends. <laughs> Now, we, we can either, well, what we most likely are going to do is well, cover it up, pretend it doesn't exist, ignore it, hope that it'll go away, or project it on someone else or blame someone else for whatever is going on in my life that is less than perfect. That's what our, our normal reaction is going to be, a rather human reaction, because we are imperfect, because the world is imperfect. And so today, we have Jesus dealing with the great reality. And he's giving one of our, our most enigmatic parables because it, it, it is so counterintuitive, it just doesn't make sense. If you've got a problem, you, you cut it out. You, you get rid of it. But he's saying... There, there's a good seed that is sowed. That's the, the master. That's, that's the God. And, there's a, and somehow there gets some evil in there. there. There is a fall somewhere. Something has been sowing that is less than perfect. Something that sometimes is very bad. They are the weeds in life. And then the servant comes up and says, Shall I pull out the weeds? And he says, No. No. Now for me, I am a born weed puller. This is not an easy gospel. Matter of fact, I, 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 I planted a little stubby plants this, this summer, and, and I got a little dirt plot in, in the back of my, my house, and, and, and they were really lovely, and, 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 and as soon as some weeds came up, I says, I'm going to get rid of them. So I pulled them out. 
The plants did not grow, but the weeds came back with a vengeance. So I pulled them out again. Guess what's winning? The weeds. And I finally said, oh, I know the gospel. Let them grow together. I'll worry about this later on. Put it in the hands of the Lord. He's saying, no, leave them alone. I'll take care of it. I really will take, at the end, I'll take care of it. I will separate this. But right now, it's going to be a little bit messy. And life really is well, not a little bit messy. Life is real messy. There are always weeds in our wheat. Now, do we need to sometimes cut out the cancer? Well, yeah. 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 Sometimes we need to cut it out. But sometimes there's just one little cell left and, and it grows back again. What do we do with it then? And that's the, that's the, the paradox, that's the complexity, and, and life is incredibly complex. We think we are doing it absolutely perfectly and discover that, oh, even in our hope for perfection, it's just not happening the way we had it planned, the best laid plans. We know how that goes. Does that mean we're to stop dreaming? No, not at all. Not at all. We can dream. Martin Luther King says, I, I have a dream. I've got a dream of the day when, when, when we are going to be judged not by the color of our skin, but by the character of who we are in the eyes of God. Now, that's obviously a dream unfulfilled. It still hasn't come about. Uh, there, there, and, and the problem is that when we try to do it perfectly now, and we scapegoat the problem outside of ourselves. When we blame the problem outside of ourselves, we end up like Marx, who also had a dream of a wonderful utopia, a worker's utopia. And of course, we know how that turns out. It almost always goes south. But that is not to poo-poo the great dream. Because Jesus has a dream. Jesus has a dream. Calls it the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he's trying in all of the parables that we've heard last week, we're going to hear this week, we're going to hear next week, a whole bunch more parables for the next couple of weeks. He's trying to say, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to be like. But today he's going to say, it's, well, ultimately it's going to be the lying, lie down with the lamb. We are going to turn our, our swords into pruning hooks and, 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 and our plows and and we were going to study for war no more. Oh, that day is going to come. Can you see it? Can you picture it? Can you envision it? I think we need to do that. But you need to approach it realistically because we are living in the real world. And, and, and approach it with, with an incredible trust that even though we can't see the end and it looks like before us in so many ways there are only dead ends and detours and labyrinthine passages that we think we will never get through, our holy work is daring to trust it. In his book, uh, Everything Belongs, uh, Franciscan friar Father Richard Rohr says that, that our, the world of ours is, is, is a mixture. It's a mixture of, of light and darkness it really is the yin and the yang, and both are needing. And yet, it is the mixture of things that are broken. And we are all broken. Not one of us is perfect. And yet, 
And this is the key. And of course, we like to preach this more than anything else. We are the recipients. We are the guardians of the divine DNA that dwells in each and every one of us. So we have the height and the depth. Uh, we have a world that seems to be falling apart. Entropy is real. And at exactly the same time, the divine living forever, calling us to that omega point. Uh, all of our lives, basically, and especially when we see that we think we can reach this perfection, is an illusion. And I think the greatest illusion of when we think that I can make perfection myself is to think that if I can only get rid of the contaminating elements, all will be fine. I can remember when I was about 15, 16 years old, I finally found out about the seven deadly sins, and I had a plan. In seven weeks, I would be perfect. <laughs> I'd do one sin a week. <laughs> and I got to lust, and we're still working. <laughs> It doesn't work that way. If I, in some way, we think if we could, and so what we do is we scapegoat. Scapegoating is a great mechanism that all of us get caught into it. And of course, you know, the, the original scapegoating was taking all the sins of the community, putting it on the goat, and sending it out into the wild to die. Well, what we do when we scapegoat is we, we take whatever is dark inside of ourselves, our shadow, the part that's broken, the part that we don't like, the part that's unavailable to us, the part that we hate, and we project it onto someone else. And if we can get rid of them, Oh, uber alles, we will have the perfect Aryan society if we can just get rid of the perfidious Jews. And that's what happens. We begin to, whenever we find ourselves projecting the other side, oh, if we can just get rid of all of the socialists, oh, what a wonderful capitalist country we would have. If we could just get rid of all the capitalists, how wonderful we can be together. And we can lose our souls, and we often lose our souls on the ideology of both sides in our rigid points of view, because it just doesn't work. Why? We don't want to see our shadow. We don't want to see our dark side. And so we project it onto the other. If I am a congenitive liar, what do I always talk about? Fake news. What do I always point the finger at? You people, that's where the problem is. It's not in me. And as long as I can't see it in me, I'm never going to be able to grow out of it. You see, the amazing thing is that, is that we don't really learn by our perfection. Well, the truth is we never reach that perfection, ever. The truth is that after a certain point, we learn a whole lot more by our failure than we do by our success. Uh, we, and, and, and the paradox of it is that very often by our failure, we discover that there's another road to a greater success that we couldn't see as long as we're clinging on to the place we were. We lose the job and we think it's the end of the world. We get the cancer and we survive it and we think, I would never want to go through that again, but it has changed my life so radically because I see every day as absolutely precious and beautiful. My eyes have been opened and I now see and I now can respond to that. Oh, it is utterly paradoxical. It is incredibly complex, but we are utterly paradoxical. We are utterly complex.
complex. And we are, we are called to dare to enter into that mystery that is, that is beyond our, our comprehension. The radical truth, as Martin Luther pointed out so beautifully, is that we are simul justus et peccator. We are exactly at the same time sinners and saints. The divine spark dwelling in each and every one of us, but it is broken. The incredible mystery is that in the brokenness, in the cracked pot, the light gets in. In that brokenness, God is able to work with us. Now the question is, can we bear it? Can we hold on to it? Can we allow to live that contradiction, that paradox, that confusion? And it's in each and every one of us. We are never, ever completely exempt. Can we, can we do that? Well, we've got a, a sign and, and a symbol for that. And, of course, the great sign and the great symbol is the symbol of our faith. And that's the, the crucifix. And Juliana of Norwich once had a, a vision when she had her, her, her visions, her night visions. And she, she saw the Lord and she was speaking to the Lord and she said, I don't understand. Why, why the crucifixion? Why the crucifixion? And she said in the colloquy between herself and, and the divine, between herself and, and Jesus, she said, well, what was the worst thing that ever happened in the world? She said, the killing of God, the crucifixion of you. And he said, what was the best thing that ever happened in the world? And she said, the redemption wrought by you by the pouring out of love in the midst of a broken world, beginning the healing process. And that process is still going on. And so we are to, we are to hold on to the mystery of what Christ does, because Christ is the ultimate realist. Does he dream? Absolutely. Is the kingdom going to come? We're not going to stop it. Like I said last week, we'd slow it down, but we cannot stop it. But what are we called to do? We're called to follow his pattern. He was called to follow it. St. Bonaventure, another great Franciscan saint, said that, that Christ was crucified on the coincidence of opposites. As above, so below. As to the left, so to the right. He was hung between a good thief and a bad thief. He was hung between heaven and earth. He was fully human. He was a mortal. He was dying. He was immortal. He was the Son of God. He is incarnate in the flesh, the divine. He is the one who will live forever. He has a masculine body and an utterly feminine soul. And he reconciled all things in himself. That's what we're called to do. It's going to be messy. It's not easy. Not easy. Because it's an act of faith. I'll take care of it. Let the weeds grow. As a matter of fact, I will use them. Oh, happy fault of Adam to gain such a wonderful redeemer. Let the weeds grow. Learn from them. 
Do not allow them to be a stepping stone. Don't pull them out. Now, I must confess, there was one place I pulled the weed. Sister Martha gave me a tomato plant last, that, this spring. That tomato plant has not seen a weed all summer long. And the tomatoes are looking pretty good, Sister Martha. Yeah, that's the only exception. The rest, oh, is messy. Oh, God bless this mess. And we've done a pretty good job of it so far at this Mass today. Let us continue that way. It's who we are. Oh, we're on our way to the kingdom. Let's take our time. Let us enjoy the ride. Let us, let us learn from the mess. Let us learn from our sins. Let us learn from our failings. I've just preached the most imperfect homily. <laughs>